Hello, and welcome to Sobercast. We provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in a podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting Sobercast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Also, if you're a member of NA or have friends that are, please tell them about our other podcast, NAPOD. NAPOD features NA speakers and workshops in the same format as Sobercast. We upload a new speaker every day, and it's easy to subscribe by searching for NAPOD, N-A-P-O-D, all one word, on any podcast player app, or go to NAPOD.XYZ if you'd like to listen online. Hope you enjoy the podcast and have a great day. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Road to Recovery group of Alcoholics Anonymous. My name is Dan. I'm an alcoholic. Could everyone please turn off your mobile phones or switch them to a silent profile? And please try to keep disruptions to a minimum. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. This is an open meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. In view of our singleness of purpose, we would respectfully ask that sharing be confined to alcoholics, and when discussing our problems, we confine ourselves to those problems as they relate to alcoholism. There may be visitors here who are unfamiliar with our tradition of anonymity. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio and television. This tradition is a constant reminder that personal ambition has no place in AA. We are sure that anonymity is the greatest safeguard Alcoholics Anonymous can ever have. We therefore seek your cooperation in protecting the anonymity of our members at the public level. The format of tonight's meeting will be three 10-minute speakers, followed by a full speaker until approximately 8.30. The meeting will then be open for sharing from the floor and closed at 9 o'clock. Can we please have a moment's silence to remember Tradition 5? Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Um, Our first three speakers tonight will be Mike, Johnny and Gail. Evening, I'm Mike and I'm an alcoholic. I was was alright sat there and as I started walking up I seen all these microphones pointing at me and my stomach started churning. Um, Yeah, I'm Mike and I'm an alcoholic and uh, a very warm welcome to any visitors, any newcomers. Special evening this evening, the group celebrating its 16th birthday. Um, what a fantastic night already, you know, just walking in knowing that 16 years this has been going, you know, and sobering up alcoholics, you know, sobering up people like me. Um, it wasn't like that to start with, with, with my experience of AA, you know, I, I struggled, I really struggled. I had an alcoholic problem um, that, that just couldn't be solved. You know, I, I was different. You know, there was something about me. I knew from my drinking experiences that there was something totally different that separated me from the rest of the world, everybody. You know, I, I enjoyed a drink. Drink was a big part of my life. I had a lot of fun, but it got to a point where it was just destroying my life. It was destroying the life of the people around me. You know, I, I was just... Such a bad dad, you know, the police come and knocking down the door while my daughter's in the bath and that, you know. And I'll tell you, this can't go on, this can't go on, I've got to sort my life out. And for ten years, I bounced around here, there and everywhere, you know, trying to look for some help, basically. You know, I've got all these problems, but I was starting to see that alcohol was at the centre of it. And... um, Sorry, I, I, I'm, my head keeps going off on little, little tangents here. I'm looking at Danny. I said, I don't know what I'm going to share about. He said, but just tell him how good looking I am. So we've got a very good, good looking secretary here tonight as well. <laughs> Get that one in. But yeah, I was bouncing here, there and everywhere. And, um, you know, it, it got to the point where the, the help that I was seeking, all these professionals, it got to a point where I thought, 
Nothing, nothing is going to resolve this because I go in with, with, with a true conviction of I just don't want to carry on like this anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to put my family through this anymore. And I would go into places with a true conviction and, and I would take every bit of guidance that I was getting. You know, they, they'd sober me up. You know, uh, I, I'd have group therapy. I'd have individual therapy. You know, I'd start feeling a, a sense about me that my life's starting to come together now. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track. And then something would happen within my mind that would just trick me into just picking up a drink again. And, and I'd be off and running again thinking, how did that happen? <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I, I got to a point where I actually went into a mental institution and I asked for a lobotomy. You know, I'd seen this film and, and they, they had dealt with this person by giving them a lobotomy. So I, I went in there and asked them, can you cut that piece of my brain out that just keeps telling me to have a drink? It keeps lying to me, telling me things are going to be different. I'm, I'm knowing now, you know, this is happening to me. Cut this piece of my brain out. And the advice they gave me was go along to Alcoholics Anonymous, take the 12 steps that they're offering there, and that will do it for you. And uh, I, I, I thought, well, I know I'm mad, but you lot seem, you know, from, from what you're saying there. Because my experience, I've been there. You know, I'd come in, I'd sat down, I'd listened to you people, and I wasn't like you. Like I said, I, I was totally different than everybody I ever met. Because I was meeting some people that were saying to me, I don't drink anymore, my life's improved, I'm happy, and as soon as they got to that bet, that's it. That's the difference. When I sober up, I ain't happy. When I sober up, I become more and more and more miserable. The world seems to be against me. Everything seems to go wrong. I'm incredibly miserable, and I pick up a drink just to bring some sort of relief, you know, some sort of happiness back into my life, you know. But it wouldn't be long before it would start becoming miserable again, and I'd start the cycle. But, um, say, I, I was going everywhere, here, there, and everywhere, and I came down to Plymouth. I ain't from around these parts. Uh, I came down to Plymouth for a, 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 a treatment centre, basically. And uh, I went in there, and well, while I was in there, I, I, I did meet this one guy that I thought, he is like me. I've met one person in the world, like, he, he's barking mad, he's worse than me actually, but he's got the same type of thinking. It, our stories were matching up, you know, in, you know the, 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 the inability to, to leave it alone really. You know, I was telling him a story, I had this one where, you know, I'd sobered up and um, I had to stay sober for five days and I was going to go off to this self-help group and I thought five days, you know, I can manage that surely. And it's my sister's birthday. I went to the pub to celebrate with her. It was a, it was a good evening. It was a very, I was on top of the world. I was meeting all my old mates that were saying, come on, Mike, have a drink. And I was saying, no, thank you. I'm an alcoholic. I can't have a drink. And uh, I'd done brilliant. I'd spent the whole evening drinking Coke, playing pool. It was a great night. And then they rung the bell and said, last orders. And it was like my head was taken off and another one put on and my thinking went, well, I can have one because it's last orders and I won't be able to get any more. And a year was gone out of my life. I was living in a shed and I was thinking, how the hell did that happen? How did that happen yet again? You know, I'm finding myself in another detox. You know, and he was telling me similar stories. And, uh, you know, I, I, I spent my time in there and come to the end of it. And they said to me, go along to AA, Mike. Get yourself a sponsor and work through the 12 steps. And, and my honest thinking was, same old chestnut. I've been hearing this year after year after year. I've bounced in and out these places. They're talking about God that I don't understand. You know, I, I'm listening to these people. I, I, I can't sort of identify with what they're saying. But, um, you know, I, I did pop into one meeting, just poke me head in to see the old mates and that. And, and it was more of a... Look at me, I'm doing okay, I don't need this, you know, I'm happy plodding around, I've got a bit of voluntary work, everything's fine, and I started drinking. And it was, it started the cycle over again, you know, I'm sat with curtains drawn, thinking, that's it, I'm going to have to kill myself, it's my only option. And uh, this guy that I was in the treatment with, he, he turned up on my doorstep, and my experience of it was, was, well, absolutely amazing, really. That's the only way I can describe it, because sat before me were this guy who, who was completely different. 
the conversation that he was having was just on a level that I had not heard come out of his mouth before. You know, he, he was chatting away to me, and, and I said, well, what are you doing? What is it you're doing? He said, well, I've gone to the meetings. I've got a sponsor, and I'm working the steps. And this guy was telling me he's, he's on step four. And, and you know, I, I knew a little bit about steps. I'd seen them. You know, I had a, 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 a basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'd looked at this stuff. And I thought, well, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's not even halfway through. What, what was going on? And he, he continued to talk. His eyes were bright. He was excited about what he was doing. And he said, why don't you come along? And, and it was just, it was like the gates of hell had slammed shut on me. I, I do not want to be sat in here with a bunch of losers, you know, sat in church halls. I don't want to do it. But the end result was I came along. I came along. I sat down the back. I sat on and my hands were sweating. I, I don't want to be here. My head was racing, telling me to leave. But I thought, well, I'll just stay to the end and I'll get one of these sponsors and see how it goes. And uh, that's what I did. My head was racing, telling me to leave. I stayed. I got a sponsor at the end of the meeting. And my experience was I had met another barking mad bloke. Because what he had done is he'd give me some actions to take. He was asking me to pray. He was asking me to write a gratitude list. And all this stuff just seemed... What the hell is he talking about? It's irrelevant to my problem. But again, my experience, I started doing this, and my outlook started brightening up. And this stuff that these blokes were talking about over the years, where they were talking about being sober and being happy, started to become my experience. In- incredible things started happening. You know, I'm walking around and I'm starting to smile. I heard somebody talk about it the other day. You know, they, they actually laughed and had a belly laugh without that guilt feeling of what have you got to laugh about, look what you've been... It's just simple little things like that for somebody like me was just absolutely incredible. My life started improving and improving. These these guys were talking to me, they were saying to me, life gets incredibly more wonderful as time passes. You know, great events will come to pass for you and others, you know. And, And again, that started to become my experience. I was getting up in the morning, I wasn't thinking about drinking you know what a great experience you know what a great event i'm I'm able to turn up for work on a regular basis i'm trusted in my workplace i was a liability before you know sickness benefit for nine years or something you know some simple simple little things to everyday folk you know that that is a great event for somebody like me you know, the, the, the promises that have been given, you know, you will know peace of mind. You, you will intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle you. All these things that these guys were talking about with me thinking, I ain't like you, it ain't going to happen for me, all started very, very quickly, became my experience, you know. And uh, it, it's got depth and weight as well, you know. This month, I'll be 12 years sober. What a great event. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't last 12 days before. If you're serious, if you want a sober, happy life, then I really strongly suggest get yourself a sponsor, and no matter what you think of what they're telling you to do, however irrelevant it seems to your problem, you do this stuff, and I guarantee you'll get those promises as well. You can have a happy, sober life. And thanks for listening. Good evening, everybody. My name's Johnny. I'm an alcoholic. And thank you very much for your share, Mike. I, I really identified with that. Um, this, uh, it's a great privilege to have been asked to share on this group's, my group, home group's uh, 16th birthday. Um, thank you very much, Linda. Um, but uh, much more thank you to all the old-timers who were here when I first got here uh, 11 years ago now, just over 11 years ago, uh, when I didn't want to come to AA at all. Uh, I thought I'd better do it, uh, but I really didn't want to be here. Um, Eleven years seems seems an awfully long time, but uh, one day at a time, by doing exactly the same things that that Mike just described under the guidance of a sponsor, simply doing the same things that my sponsor had done, you know, I've had the same happy, contented life, a completely different life to the one that I expected when I realized that I couldn't carry on drinking the way that I had been. Um, But, you know, I feel I've been blessed, and uh, I have so much to thank my home group and Alcoholics Anonymous for. Um, 
My wife got an iPhone not so long ago, and one of the applications on it was uh, on this day. And uh, 8th April 1994 uh, is the birthday of this home group. 8th April 917 years earlier, uh, Winchester Cathedral was dedicated. Now, why you think am I talking about Winchester Cathedral? But uh, if you're new here, or indeed if you're on the program, uh, one of the things that you will have got is the big book. Alcoholics Anonymous Basic Text. And the first story in there is Bill's story. Bill W., Bill Wilson, was the co-founder of AA. And uh, he was born in 1895, and at the age of 22, in about 1917, he, uh, he came over from the States to England because uh, the United States had just entered the First World War as a second lieutenant in an artillery unit. And um, his unit was stuck in Hampshire. Uh, there had been some sort of an epidemic. And so Bill was wandering around, and he found his way to Winchester Cathedral. And he was looking around the, uh, the graveyard, and he came across a gravestone. And uh, he recognized one of the names on, that grave, on a gravestone, because it was very like a friend of his, uh, a chap called Ebby Thatcher. But what Bill saw was uh, an epitaph dedicated to Thomas Thatcher, who died in 1764, age 26, and it said, Here sleeps in peace a Hampshire grenadier, who caught his death by drinking cold, small beer. An honest soldier is never forgot, whether he dies by musket or by pot. Small beer was the medieval equivalent of low-alcohol lager. It was uh, the caliber. I tried drinking caliber when I was trying to cut down on my drinking. It didn't work. I drank for 30 years before I got to, to AA. I tried, certainly during the last 10 years, all sorts of ways of cutting down and controlling my drinking, but none of them worked. I found, however, that Calibre satisfied my wife because she thought I was being a good boy and only drinking half a percent alcohol. I found it was a jolly good way of putting the, the smell of some beer or other on my breath which disguised the gin or the vodka or the real stuff that I was actually necking back quietly in the pantry. That was really how my drinking ended up. Uh, I was trying to control it. I was trying to make sure nobody found out how much I was drinking. It was having a devastating effect on me. More particularly, it was affecting my family and my work. I really couldn't see it that way, but uh, that was the bottom line. I reached a stage where I realized something had to be done about it, where my business partners told me something had to be done about it, where my wife was on the verge of leaving me. Not, as she said, because she didn't love me, but because she and my kids loved me too much, and they couldn't let, she couldn't let them see their father you know, carry on the way he was going. I went to a treatment centre, like Mike did. I thought that I could sign up for eight weeks, I'd get dried out, and um, everything would be back to normal. I found out while I was there that uh, that wasn't quite what happens to alcoholics, certainly of my type, because I was introduced... Uh, at the treatment centre to the big book, uh, and I realised that this programme was about giving up alcohol. I didn't actually, I couldn't believe that I couldn't drink safely again, but that's what they told me. I didn't want to believe it, because I couldn't imagine a life stretching in front of me, grey, boring, dull, glum, no fun, without being able to take a drink, just like my friends, just like I had been able to do once upon a time. When I came out of that treatment centre, you know, I found my way here, thank goodness. And um, I heard a message carried, quite simply, as to what I had to do. And that was to get a sponsor and work through the 12-step programme. I was given the same suggested daily plan by my sponsor, the same thing, told to do the same things that he'd done. And they worked for me, just like they worked for Mike. And uh, one day at a time, you know, I've been able to maintain abstinence from alcohol ever since. Um, what Bill didn't say in the, uh, when he quoted that doggerel 
from you know, the, the graveyard in Hampshire was he missed out one line, possibly for politically correct reasons. But uh, here sleeps in peace a Hampshire grenadier who caught his death by drinking cold small beer. Soldiers be wise from his unlikely fall that when you're hot, drink strong or drink none at all. I like that because uh, that appeals to the alcoholic in me. You know, if you're going to have a drink, have a proper one. <laughs> I've been a enabled, you know, by working this program, you know, to stay away not just from the small stuff but from the proper one without feeling that I'm, I'm missing out. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a great life. It really has. That, um, you know, just to carry on with that, that story, that name that Bill thought he recognized, as I said, you know, was Ebby uh, T, who was in fact, uh, did an awful lot to help Bill some 18 years later when his drink, drinking got really out of control. Because Ebby had found a way out. Uh, he joined something called the Oxford Group, who, um, who laid basically the foundations of the of the steps which Bill and uh, the co-founders of AA developed into the 12-step program that, that we work today. It worked for them back in 1935-36. It was set out in the big book in 1939. And it's worked for millions of people ever since. And uh, I, for one, as I, as I said before, I'm just so grateful that, it, that it's worked for me. Um, if you're new... You know, as, as Mike said, as everybody you'll hear talk tonight will tell you, the solution lies in uh, working through the 12-step program. Get hold of a copy of the big book, study it, be guided by a sponsor, do the simple suggestions, because it's a program of action. They really work. I found that very quickly after I started, you know, doing what I was supposed to do, that, you know, my whole outlook began to change. Uh, I was taken through the steps. This time 11 years ago, uh, and I know this because Easter fell on the, uh, the 4th of April, uh, I was struggling with my step four, like an albatross round my neck. I was trying to get it finished by Easter, and well, for one reason or another, I hadn't. I was being persuaded, cajoled by my sponsor to get on with it, because I, I you know, I'm slothful. Um, but uh, within a month, you know, I'd finished it. I finished it by the, the spring bank holiday. Uh, and by doing that, you know, a great weight was lifted from me. My experience has been that by working this program, you know, sort of as honestly as I can, it really does work. So if you're new or if you've just started coming to AA, please, you know, I implore you, you know, just do it. You know, it's a wonderful life. It really is. It's a life that I never expected, and I really do feel I've been blessed. So thank you again, all of you, for, for listening. Thank you to the Road to Recovery group, you know, for showing me what to do. And above all, thank you to AA. And uh, whatever it is up there, you know, my higher power, that's what keeps me sober. I found that higher power through working these steps. It's entirely personal to me. But uh, if you do the same things, you will find your own. And that's what will keep you sober. And that's what will keep you happy. Thank you very much indeed for listening. Good evening, all. My name's Gail and I'm an alcoholic. Or is it okay to Mike said there were mics here? Um, it's, a, it's a great privilege to be asked to, to share at my home group tonight, and, and specifically because it's a birthday uh, weekend. And uh, I've known Mike and Johnny all all my recovery time and uh, I share a birthday date with Alexis uh, although I'm several years behind him and uh, I feel very privileged to be part of the warm-up team for uh, his share and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if you're new in here tonight you're so welcome you know and I hope that you can hear the message that's given tonight um, when I, when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous 12 years ago, uh, I had no idea of the life waiting for me. I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to be an alcoholic. I didn't think I was like you. 
And certainly when I walked in, having reached that jumping off point of desperation after 30 years of drinking, I looked at you and not one of you who'd recovered sounded anything like me. And I just didn't know. I just didn't know how I was going to get what you had got. But you offered a solution and you told me it was here if I wanted it. And I'm very humbled by the fact that last Thursday um, I, I celebrated my 12th happy sober birthday in Alcoholics Anonymous. And they are not words that were ever in my vocabulary before, happy or sober. Um, but what was told to me that first night was that if I got a sponsor and followed suggestions, took actions I did not yet believe in, and worked through the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, I would recover. It was guaranteed. And I'd like to thank Mary for you know, having sponsored me continuously for 12 years. I love you very much. And I know for me that having the sponsorship that I've had over those 12 years has been the right sponsorship for me. And I would not have recovered unless I had listened to somebody else for the first and only time in my life. And I did ask her when I knew I was going to share. I said, well, can I tell, tell them I've changed? And she went, hmm. So you have to ask Mary to find out if I've changed or not, but just don't ask Neil. And, uh, you know, I, I, have, I have changed in a way because I know today I have found that way of intuitively dealing with things that before were just a complete and utter. I, I just didn't see how other people did life. I couldn't do it. And, and one of the greatest gifts, if not the greatest gift for an alcoholic of my type, as it's described in the basic text, is that the need and the want and the desire and that awful, awful feeling that I had to drink every day has gone. And I know that because the other day in the supermarket, I saw a guy with 12 cans of special brew. And before, I would have fought him for them. But all I thought was, I just had this dispassionate look and I just thought, God, you're going to be sick tomorrow. But that's my alcoholic thing because I assumed he was going to drink all 12 himself. And he probably wasn't. But that's the way I think around alcohol. And from the time I picked it up, I just wanted more. And I very quickly crossed that line where I had any choice. And I developed the phenomenon of craving. And I had this twofold disease of the mind and the body where whenever I picked up any alcohol whatsoever, I had no way of knowing where it was going to end. And it nearly always ended badly. From the very first drink when I drank gin from my, from my parents' cabinet, to the end, which wasn't my worst drunk, but I entered this black hole. And a doctor had just said, I don't know what you're doing, because I was a liar about it. But she said, whatever it is, you know, this, this is not going to be good for you unless you do something. And I went home and get, got drunk. And that's not normal behavior. And I didn't realize until I came into Alcoholics Anonymous that I could not live life on life's terms. I believed you owed me. I believed you, you had to show me that you cared about me. You had to do things for me to make me feel good, to make me feel better. And one by one, you always let me down. And the only answer was alcohol. And I was absolutely determined to fight that inner integrity that I would, I would do this to the end because my way was right. My drinking was okay. The people around me were okay. And the reality was I harmed people and I, I did damage to people, I did damage to me, and I still demanded that my way was right. And when I came into AA for the first and only time in my life, I listened to another human being. I, I withdrew from the debating society, I've never argued with, with my sponsor, and I listened and I took those actions. And I just believed that if I got on my knees and I prayed for a sober day, I may have one. But if in the evening I, I thanked my higher power, and it is God as I understand him, then the next day I may have one. That if I wrote a gratitude list, maybe I would feel grateful because I never had before, and I do. And that by doing a Just for Today card, if I kept it in the day, maybe it was manageable because I couldn't see, for any of you who had even weeks or months sobriety, that that could work for me. Because the thought of giving up alcohol terrified me. The fear around it, the fear with it and without it, was horrific. And that was very quickly taken away from me to get a home group where I was expected to be responsible, to behave in, in a, a decent manner and to actually turn up and do something for somebody else, which is called service here. You know, all these things were new to me and to think of other people when I want to think of myself. So working with newcomers and with other alcoholics, 
would save the day for me. And when I read the big book, you know, the very first time I read it, I knew, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, whatever I wanted the truth to be, the reality was that I was an alcoholic of your type. And I'm so grateful that that book was written by Dr. Bob and Bill because, you know, when I came in so many years later, it was there for me and I was there on every single page. And, you know, the gratitude I have for my life today is just amazing. I am so privileged to be in recovery. And I would beg you, if you are new in tonight, if you're sitting there wondering if this is for you, if you're thinking, well, am I or aren't I? Well, the chances are you are if you're sitting here. But just grab it. And and don't believe that if you just sit here on the edge or in the middle even you're going to get it by osmosis because you won't. Because for me, it's about taking action. I haven't always wanted to hear what I've been told by my sponsor. I haven't always wanted to do the things I've been asked to do. But I've never argued and I've always done them because I've always believed that if, if the day ever comes when I start arguing or think I know better, then I'm on that place where I, I'm going back to my old way of thinking. And for me, that would take me back to a drink and I haven't got another drink in me. As I say, you know, any one of those 12 special brews the other day would be the end for me, and I know that. And the reality of my life today is that, you know, not only am I happy and sober, and I wouldn't be here still. You know, Mike says, you know, there's a, there's a lot of pubs out there, there's a lot of other things to do on a Friday night. Unless this was working, unless this life was better than the life I had 12 years ago, and I had a decent life to the outside world, I really did. You know, I, I wouldn't be here. And the children who hated me and the mother I, I was just so awful to, I was able to make amends to her before she died. You know, my children are in my life. I have grandchildren. And, and to be trusted with these people, those people who want to be around me, is nothing short of miraculous. But the place I feel most comfortable, thank you, the place I feel most comfortable, the, the most at home, where I am with my own type is here. And I know that I can go anywhere today because I have this program. You know, I've still got my sponsor that I, I contact every week and more if, if needed. But my higher power, God, keeps me sober because I can't always be in touch with, with, my, higher, with you know, my sponsor. Because I can get my higher power to say absolutely anything I want. And I need the grounding of one other human being to whom I'll be honest, rigorously honest. And I've learned these things through going through the 12 steps with a sponsor, by, by being part of a home group where there are old timers who show me the way, by example. And that's why I turn up week after week, simply because if I'm not here, and it happened tonight when we were doing tea, you know, someone had been away for a couple of weeks, they were missed. You know, someone will ask, where have you been? And that's, that's miraculous because nobody wanted to know where I was before. You know, they're hoping I'd stay away. So if you're new, if you're struggling... Or if you're visiting, you know, grab this because we beg of you. All the earnestness at our command and be rigorously honest because you will have the most amazing life. Twelve years ago, I had no idea, but I know today that I am the luckiest person on earth. And if you want this, it's yours for the taking. Thank you. Thank you all. I'd now like to introduce tonight's final speaker, Alexis. Did you get that? Oh, cool. Uh, I'm Alexis, and I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, and uh, it's uh, it's great to be at my home group. It's always great, particularly on Fridays, to be at my home group. I love this group. It, um, this group helps me to keep my enthusiasm for sobriety, for staying sober, for living sober. Um, for being of service uh, within AA, and um, I'm, um, the reason I'm up here tonight is because I am an alcoholic, and part of my, as, as an alcoholic, you know, I, I can't drink. I cannot drink safely. The vast majority of people in the world can drink safely. I can't. And because I can't drink safely, I do a program of action to stay sober, because I also don't have a choice whether I drink or not. You know, if I look back at my drinking history, uh, 17, 18 years ago, I, I would try and not drink, and I would drink. And it happened again and again and again and again. And I need to come somewhere like this 
and do a program of action, the 12 steps, to stay abstinent. And um, part of that program is to tell anybody new or who's still suffering my experience of working that program, why I did it, how I did it, and what the results have been. So just to try and be of service to new people or to still suffering alcoholics. So the only reason I'm up here, I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm not here to try to persuade you of anything. I'm just trying to keep myself sober. But it is also a pleasure to be of service, particularly at my home group, you know, and to work with still suffering alcoholic. Um, so uh, I will, I just want to say, I, I want to I somehow to prove I'm an alcoholic because, you know, when I... I did have that feeling that I wasn't the same as other people. When I came to AA, I did feel that nobody understood. I felt very lonely. People would ask me questions about my drinking patterns and why did I drink the way I did. And I couldn't explain. But at AA, no one ever asked me those questions. You know, they understood my thinking around drinking. I'm going to give you one example, if you're new, all right, of my thinking around drinking. if I, I decided to stop drinking for a while. That's quite a common thing for alcoholics to do. I decided to stop drinking for a while. Over Christmas, went really well, went brilliantly. We're talking, I don't know, one, two, three months of sobriety, going to pubs, watching my friends, getting drunk, feeling very superior, enjoying my drinks of Coke. It was, it was great, and it was over Christmas. And um, then I... I was back in London, there in the uh, bedsit with my girlfriend. Guy knocks on the door. He says, I haven't seen him in five years. And he says, hey, uh, great to see you. Come in. Come in. He says, no, let's go down the pub. And I think, oh, yeah, no big deal. Nice glass of Coke. We go down the pub. Um, it's me, him, my girlfriend. I order my normal Coke. Been in this pub many times. I order my normal Coke. And uh, my, um, uh, my friend, my girlfriend, they have their pints of beer. And for no reason... I can explain. I suddenly look, after, after all these months and no big deal at all being sober, I suddenly look at the, their pints and I think, why can't I drink? Why can't I get the instant ease and comfort that would come from me just having a few swigs of those pints? Why? And just what, for no reason, I just got this incredible envy, this incredible urge to have a drink. And um, I just couldn't concentrate on anything else. So my friend turns to me and he says, why don't you make the next one a pint? He, he, he's a bloody alcoholic. He ended up coming to this group, actually, after a few years. Uh, and he said, why don't you make the next one a pint? I walk up to the bar. It's my round. And I'm thinking, Alexis, have a Coke. You know, and then the other part of my brain is saying, just, just have a pint. Just, just have a beer. Just, you know, you want one. Alexis, have a coke. Just have a, you know. And this thing going on in my, this argument with myself, and of course, as always happened, the argument was won by the beer. And I ordered a beer, and I think my logic was something like, if I order a beer and I drink half of it, I'll stop worrying about the fact that I'm drinking again. And that was kind of my logic. So. And I got drunk, and I did something so horrible to that friend of mine that he didn't contact me again for another five years. Because my personality, he he regretted our saying, make the next one a pint. That's my thinking around drinking. It's not rational. Most people don't walk up to the bar having a massive argument in their head. Have a drink, don't have a drink, have a drink, don't have a drink. You know, it's just simple. You know, they, they can control it. They can use it. Like some people can use ice cream. Normal people can use beer. It's no big deal. For me, it's almost a matter of life or death. The intensity of my obsession with alcohol, it was, it was everything. And I wouldn't admit it to myself. You know, how could I admit that to myself? So when I came to AA, I didn't want to admit that I was obsessed with alcohol. When I saw my psychiatrist, I didn't want to talk about my drinking. You know, it was the last thing I wanted to talk about. I didn't want to admit the depth of my obsession because I could not let go of it. Because for all the bad things that it did to me, it did something very, very good as well. It made me, that first half point, the first point, took away all the fear, all the loneliness, all the sense of self-hatred, all the worries and cringing about the problems that my past drinking had caused, all the worries and cringing about the future. It all just melted away. Life seemed good. I felt calm. You know, and that was, how could I let go of that? You know, and uh, I had to in the end because I had a realization. I came to lots of meetings. I read the book Alcoholics Anonymous, which uh, somebody showed anyway. Thanks to the previous three speakers, by the way. So, so one of the things about just to 
tangent, uh, slight tangent, one of the great things about this group is the number of people who are more than 10 years sober here. That's just, for me, that's a brilliant environment to be coming to regular. I just love that. And, uh, so I came here. I didn't come here. I came to AA, and uh, I came to lots of meetings. I read the book. If you're, if you're new, if you're having doubts about whether this is for you, that's normal. If you're having doubts that you're an alcoholic, if you're afraid to be here, that's normal. You know, I, was, I had all these things going through my mind. But I had this thing bring, making me come back to meetings again and again. You know, I, I, I just I tried so many methods, doctors, psychiatrists, counsellors, all these different things, and I thought, I've got to do it this time. This time, I know if I go back to my old thinking, it'll drag me under again, and I may not come out for years, you know, and... Uh, I, so I came to lots of meetings, I read the literature, I carried on drinking, strangely, but what happened is something happened to me, something happened, nobody in the meeting said to me, you're an alcoholic, you're going to die, nobody diagnosed me as an alcoholic, nobody said, you know, you must do the 12 steps, what happened is I related to the way these people thought about alcohol. And not just the way they thought and felt about alcohol, but all of their character defects, all of this, this, the social nervousness that I've had chronically had, that sense of feeling less than everybody else, feeling left out that I had chronically. You know, and they were talking about these things, that awful self-pity that I called depression. They understood all of these things. And I related to these people. And I related, but it was when I realized that I was the same as these people, that I was an alcoholic. And when I understood that my alcoholism, it didn't matter about anyone else's, what mattered was my alcoholism was a fatal illness as dangerous as heart disease or cancer. And when I realized that, all of, all of well, it just crushed me. It destroyed me because um, it was, uh, you know, I think very few people get, actually have the thought, I'm going to die. I think that happens to very few people. I can't imagine what it's like to have a gun pointed at your head and a serious chance of dying. I think it's, it's probably indescribable. It's something you can't describe. But the closest that I've come to that was sitting in an AA meeting convinced that alcohol and my drinking pattern was going to kill me. And that the other thing, I'd, I'd read these things that try to scare you into getting sober. I'd read some of these stories and stuff. And, and the, way that, the way that alcoholics died sounded horrific. The things they went through, and it wasn't just the physical deterioration, it was the mental deterioration. The people around them were destroyed as well. It was, it was, and I just had this vision of my future absolutely powerless over alcohol and the, the fact it was going to kill me, destroy those around me and do it in a horrific way. And at that point, a number of things, you know, I, I was crushed, but also all my old ideas were crushed. And some of those old ideas were uh, I can't join a fellowship. I can't do a 12-step program. I can't, even if they say it's a higher power and not some religious god, I still can't do that. I can't have a sponsor and put his ideas before my own. All of these old ideas, oh, and the big one that was deep down, and I found it so hard to admit, I can't let go of the drink. You know, all of those ideas were just crushed and destroyed when I knew I was going to die. And within a short time after that, I'd, uh, I'd got a sponsor, and, um, and I, uh, I started on the steps. And it, it, was that, it was that simple and that horrific as well. It wasn't very nice going from that convinced you're going to die point. But once I'd got a sponsor, I remember getting this guy. Uh, and the same day, it, it, was, it was a wonderful feeling because um, he, he actually invited me for coffee. Uh, and he, uh, he said... And he said he was willing to temporary sponsor me. I was a bit nervous at the time because I'd, I'd heard a lot of crap in AA. There was nothing to do with the 12 steps. AA is like a, an amateur organisation. We're not professionals. We don't have like loads of regulations. You can walk around AA meetings and talk any old crap, basically. You can make up any old programme and walk around AA meetings talking about it and taking people through it. doesn't mean it's the 12 steps. And I'd had the first guy that had, uh, that had uh, offered to take me through the 12 steps hadn't actually done them. So when I met this other guy, I was a little bit cynical, a little bit standoffish, and I couldn't quite bring myself to say, will you sponsor me? Um, but he, uh, he offered to temporary sponsor me. And I remember thinking in my head, yeah, screw that, I want you to be my sponsor. And what he immediately did is he gave me some uh, simple actions to take. 
And it was great to have these actions because for so many years I'd delayed getting better. For so many years I'd promised myself I was going to do something. And finally, I'd made a decision. I'd let go of all my old ideas. I'd got a sponsor. I knew I was going to do whatever this guy told me. And immediately, the first time we spent any time together, he gave me a bunch of actions to do to help me get sober and stay sober. And... um, the actions didn't impress me very much themselves. They were, they, you know, they were nothing to do with the way I used to think. They were like spiritual things like praying and, and, uh, and talking to newcomers at meetings and reading AA literature and all stuff that didn't really make any, uh, didn't, wasn't particularly attractive to me. But it was just brilliant to be able to start on something. Uh, and and, and I, I did the 12 steps. I did the recovery program. And it was... It was simple. It didn't take long. It, uh, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it was going to be. I didn't have like this. Uh, I didn't have any moments where I thought, no, I can't do that. I could do everything. It was all simple. Uh, the praying was simple. I didn't believe in God. I was told I didn't have to. I just had to do the praying and pray to whatever. And I, I prayed to whatever. Um, and it was that there was a bit of writing which I didn't like and I'm the same as my sponsor in this it felt like homework I was the sort of guy at school who would um, I was the sort of guy at school who you'd be set your homework and just I wouldn't do it the first night I wouldn't do it the second night wouldn't do it and then then I'd get up at four o'clock in the morning the day it was due in and do all the homework I remember hellish mornings doing that and the steps there were there was a bit of that there was a bit of writing that felt a bit like homework and that delayed me doing them but uh, but I just got on with them and um the result of the 12 steps was, was really, I don't know if I would have believed myself. If I was sitting in, in this room now, like 17 years ago, 23-year-old, uh, looking at me now, and I was trying to convince myself how good I would feel after doing the steps, I don't think I would have believed it because I didn't see how anything could take me out of um, the misery and the problems that I had, but the 12 steps did. The 12 steps made me feel uh, incredible, is the only way I can describe it. They made me feel, uh, and and the thing is, it wasn't just a surface contentment or a surface happiness. I could feel deep down that something fundamental had shifted in me, and I could see in the way I was behaving towards other people and the way I was feeling day after day and in all different activities and family activities, just walking down the street, I was just, you know, the sun would shine and I would smile. You know, I just wouldn't, I hadn't, I didn't have that fear of tipping over into depression. I didn't have that fear of, you know, I didn't feel lonely. I suddenly, I was just a changed personality. I didn't have the awful social nervousness. I was excited to be alive. I was excited to be alive. And all of this, I hadn't drunk in weeks and I didn't want to drink. I'd forgotten about drink, pretty much. It wasn't an issue anymore in my mind. I was living sober, happily. That's what the 12 steps did for me. And um, it was, you know, it's, 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 it's just hard to, hard to put over, really. I felt happier at 23 than I ever had, could remember feeling in my life, even before I started drinking. And um, the... Um, the um, Sorry, see you later. The, um, and the thing is, what I've realized is they really did, over the years, you know, that, that something really fundamental has shifted in me. Because for 17 years, that obsession with drink hasn't come back. Before I did the 12 steps, it was impossible for me to imagine that I could live without alcohol. I couldn't let go of it. I was afraid to talk to medical people or anything about alcohol because I was so petrified of letting go of it. And years of experience had showed me that I would always drink again. And I had this embedded fear in me. When will I drink? When will I drink? When will I drink? Did the 12 steps, that just went. That just went. And I was free and I felt free. And Johnny described it. When I realized 12 steps worked, because I was a very cynical doer of the 12 steps. I wasn't someone who was like, right, time to do the 12 steps with a sponsor. Isn't this great? And each step, like, wow, what a brilliant step. I'm looking forward to that. I wasn't like that. I was, I was very cynical. You know, I, I thought, am I being taken in here? Am I being, like, fed a line? 
is this for real? Is this spiritual stuff and God stuff? Is this real? Am I going, is this just going to be, I've given myself completely to this simple program, made a decision, whatever this sponsor tells me to do, I'll do it. Am I being an idiot? You know, and the day came when I sat there on my bed thinking these sort of thoughts, I realized, no, I found a solution. Not just to my drink problem, but to my whole life problem. I found a solution, and I realized that I could keep that solution forever. (laughs) I, I never had to screw it up again. And that was, for an alcohol, if you're anything like me, that was a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And um, joy at release from a lifetime's frustration truly knew no bounds. And here's the good news as well, is it doesn't have to stop. You know, it can keep on working. I had this other, even when I knew the steps worked, and even when I had that kind of moment, oh yeah, this is going to be... This can go on forever. Spiritual principles. Spiritual bloody principles. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, to me now, the phrase spiritual principles doesn't bother me. 17 years ago, it would have been like, oh, spiritual principles. You know, it would have made me cringe. I would have thought, you idiots, you're deluded. You know, but I realized when I did the step, spiritual principles are real and they can solve all my problems. And um, I have, but I was still, despite that moment, I was waiting. I was waiting for the thing to happen. The thing that was going to be so awful, I didn't know what it would be. Maybe I'd lose a leg. You know, maybe I'd get run over by a car. I don't know, but the thing that would be so awful and it would upset me so much that it would all collapse and I'd drink again. And it never, it never happened. I mean, some pretty bad things have happened to me, but nothing, none of the things that have happened have even, have even touched that solid foundation that the 12 steps have given me. Not, not even made me think that I could possibly drink, or that I possibly want to drink. So, you know, something changed in me 17 years ago. It's never gone back. It's a program of maintenance. I have to keep on doing, uh, doing certain simple things, which I, would, I, I don't think I would have been able to do on my own. Um, I think having a strong home group and continued sponsorship, I, I, I made that decision that whatever this sponsor said, I would do it. And really, what I, when I made that decision... What I was really saying it, it, from, at that time was while I do the steps. You know, but the results of the steps were so amazing, and they were all presented to him by me. Nope. Strike that, reverse it. They were all presented to me by him, and the results were so amazing that I just thought, I'm going to do what this guy says. This guy's got it. This guy's got the answer. And what I've found over the years is that attitude has sat me in good stead because I've realized these, these character defects, these common character defects that I recognized in these other alcoholics, it, it wasn't just things like, I can see now, it's not just things like uh, loneliness, feeling separate, uh, self-pity. Uh, it, it's also things, well, self-centeredness and pride. You know, this, the, the ego. The ego is the biggest thing. And my sponsor often says it, you know, he's his own worst enemy. And that is, I've, my, my ego, one of the great things about um, uh, having a sponsor and a strong sponsor rather than a wimpy one is, um, is it keeps my ego in check. You know, this guy, when I speak to him, every so often he'll say something that will hurt my feelings. <laughs> you know, and, and I'll, I'll be a bit upset or I'll think he's wrong or I'll think, who, who, how dare he say that or whatever. You know, but when anyone else says it, I might go away and I'm, I might come up with some scheme to get back at them or I might even say something to them. But when my sponsor says it, you know, I, I keep my mouth shut and I try and just look at my ego and try and increase my humility. And I have found that's paid dividends because what that means is, what, well, all right. If my humility, if I've got sufficient humility, and I've only got sufficient humility, (laughs) you know, real, like, monk-like humility, you aren't going to find at this podium at the moment, but I've got sufficient humility, and what it means is in the rest of my life, I can be myself, all right? When I do my work, I don't have to be holding back all the time and not speaking and being, you know, because I have a true degree of inner humility which frees me to be as energetic and as powerful and as involved and as within reason forceful in my work life and in all other areas of my life as I need to be. And uh, without that, without, but without somewhere and someone that I can be humble to, um, 
I will just, well, I'll get fired probably because all of that, because I will just be, I will either have like reverse pride and go in on myself and not say a bloody word or I'll be so, I'll be so prideful and unhumble that I'll just upset everyone at work. And just in meetings, I'll be totally unable to deal with things. And so this is, this is why it is, you know, having a sponsor there to kind of keep me in check. And, it, and it, that, I guess it doesn't, it's not just applying to work. I mean, I've seen that very recently in my work, the, the benefits of sponsorship. Uh, but it's also just, just carrying on with the program. You know, I do a lot of work in, in my 12 steps and, and service and all of that. Um, and there's going to be times when you're doing all of this service, working with newcomers, coming to your home group all the time, trying to keep your priorities right. I can only speak for myself. There have been times when I thought, or maybe not even thought it, I just started acting that way. This isn't that important. Or why do I have to keep doing this? Or, you know, I've been so bad over a decade. Why do I have to keep doing all this, uh, putting all this effort in? And um, the way I see that is I see that as the same, really, as that old insane thinking when I used to say to myself, this time it's all right to have a drink. It's that same thinking, but 10 years on, and saying to myself, well, actually, it wasn't that bad, and I'm not an alcoholic anymore. And despite the fact that the program that saved my life said very specifically in all its literature, we are not cured of alcoholism, we have a daily reprieve. In other words, it's in remission. Despite the fact the program says that, once I've got a few years under my belt, the temptation can be, I'm cured. Double think. Same old thing, you know. It's just, it's, and having a sponsor there, just to give me, you know, just to keep, keep me on, on the path. And it's not just the sponsor, it's examples in my home group. You know, the, the, this is what I'm saying about people being 10 years. And just, just these great, great examples to me. There's just such great examples in my home group. There's people who's characters and whose uh, actions encourage me to try and practice the program as well as they're programming it, programming it as well as they're doing it. You know, that, that's, that is, that's the reality, you know, and that's why it's so great to be part of a strong home group. You know, that's, it just makes a hell of a lot of difference to me. Um, and I, I don't know, there's so many... I did want to say a bit about the group, but, you know, happy birthday, road to recovery. Bloody hell, 16 years. Who would have believed it? Uh, it's, I remember when there were just, like, 12 of us, and then we shrunk down to six, I think, and then we shot up to however many there is now. And it's... Um, I... I just... I, 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 I guess I can't believe the person that I am today. I, I can't believe that. And I know a, a lot of that comes from my higher power and my prayer and my meditation. I know a lot of that. A lot of it comes from the self-sacrifice working with newcomers. makes me less self-centered. And a lot of it comes from trying to be a part of something, trying to be a part of a home group. And um, it's, uh, it, it just comes to me again and again. This is 17 years on. Now, there I was 17 years ago waiting for all the good times to end, thinking this program's too good to be true. Can it really go on year after year? Here I am 17 years later, and I can truly say to you, I cannot believe the person this program has made. I cannot believe the strength this program has given me. I cannot believe the absolute freedom from alcohol that I still feel. And I've been given a life, a life I want to live, and um, a future that I want, sober. I don't want to drink. I'm not interested in drinking. And, uh, and a home group that I want to come to. That, to me, is very important. I want to come to this home group. And I know that there's not really anyone here who's going to ensure that this continues to be a home group I want it to come to. So I have to take some responsibility in trying to contribute to being a part of this home group. And, um, you know, I, I would like to finish by, by, by saying thanks to my sponsor, Wayne. He's also the founder of the group because uh, I think it's, you know, it's pretty obvious really why I want to say that. And uh, it's, uh, it's been an incredible 17 years in my personal life, an incredible 16 years for the home group. And if you are a still-suffering alcoholic, if you're anything like me, this program works. Just ask my fellow group members, my family, my friends, my employer, you know, and that's me. Thanks.
Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.